For the second hour of the Lost Dial, AllNoiseRadio.com. Me and Captain Terrell were just having a little conversation. We were uh, watching a little MSNBC update on the uh, the debt ceiling debacle. And finally, it's uh, coming to a close. These, uh, these fucking assholes. Finally, finally, uh, after this uh, little group we like to call the Tea Party, basically took the nation hostage for a couple weeks, uh, finally got what they wanted, and the Senate's voting, and uh, obviously it's going to go through, but I mean, it's just... Uh, yeah, until you brought it up a couple weeks ago, I had no idea that there was even such a thing as a debt ceiling, so... Not many people had ever heard of it, you know? I mean, and now here I am panicking, probably with the rest of the nation. I mean, since whether they kept track of it before Reagan, but, you know, they bring it up, you know, back in the 80s, Reagan did it. 18 times oh. uh, raised the debt ceiling. No, you know, no fuss whatsoever. Passed in both the House and the Senate. Raised the debt ceiling. Wow. Who would you owe debt to later, anyway? Da, 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 da. Who were we in debt to? Yeah. Everybody. Oh, okay. I mean, every nation's in debt with everybody. It's, you know, it's become a very intertwined global economy. And it's, hmm. you know, we just all feed off from one another. But, I mean... The fact that we have become the biggest consumer of basically everything on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we could afford it at one time. Uh, we'll see in the next couple of years if we're, uh, you know, overall as a, you know, as the federal government consuming us as consumers. I mean, the world really relies on us. Mm. Um, just like we rely on China for the complete opposite reason, basically right. for creating all the stuff that we think we need, you know, and then the federal government is completely in bed with, you know, the Saudis, basically, because it's just the way it is. We Supposedly, we have, the United States has more natural, uh, natural gas reserves, or... Um, just resources or fuel? Or- uh, yeah, well, natural. Uh, I'm trying to think what it's called. Basically, we, um, yeah, we're sitting on top of more commodities. I keep wanting to say natural gas, but yeah, basically, we are so capable of taking care of ourselves as far as energy goes. Um, You know, the natural resources that we do have, um, it's just, it's crazy. The relationship, it's more, it's our relationship with Saudi Arabia. There's a lot more to it than just the oil, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And we are up to our eyeballs in, Iraq and Afghanistan for, you know, reasons that are similar. Um, if we had the, uh, if Iran wasn't ruled by the guy, you know, Ahmadinejad, right. who's uh, kind of a, uh, kind of scares uh, people in Washington a little bit, we would be in Iran. Hmm. But um, we're a very self-sufficient nation. Uh, we could be taking care of ourselves, but it's, uh, there's so many other things in, involved in just, you know, continuing to rely on the Saudis' oil, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's just we're so, uh, root-wise, we're so in bed with, you know, some of these Middle Eastern countries. It's just crazy. This is we could take care of ourselves. Hmm. Um, this is my little, uh, I wrote it down so I'm, I'm not a bumbling retard. <laughs> Uh, this is, I think, in a nutshell. Oh, and I kept, uh, in a nutshell, the debt ceiling, the issue. Why it was an issue this time? Like they said, 
Obviously, they kept track of how many times the debt ceiling has been raised before Reagan because it was done before Reagan. Mm. But, you know, because of... Um, because of the Republicans making such a big deal about it, they're like, oh, well, your, your buddy, um, your idol, uh, Ronald Reagan, did it 18 times. Well, Jimmy Carter did it so many times, mm. and Nixon did it so many times. But this is the first time in our history that it's become an issue. And the reason why it's become an issue is because of the uprooting, the birth of the Tea Party. Ah, okay. The Tea Party is the reason why it's an issue this time. And the fact that there is a African-American in the White House fuels, um, basically, I think, fueled the birth of this, this um, Tea Party, which is, you know, it's an offshoot of the Republican Party. Right. It's the most farthest right. Like extreme right. Group of Republicans. They are so right that they don't even like calling themselves Republicans because the majority of Republicans are far more moderate than these people. Mm. They want to totally, totally strip the, our current federal government. They, they want it gone. Mm. The problem with that, especially, well, I wrote, <clears throat> the Tea Party's ultimate agenda is to slowly but surely strip down the federal government. <clears throat> but in a fragile economy, I wrote this so small, in a fragile, <laughs> in a fragile economy, uh, paralyzing the federal government and, and, and in our current structure as a nation is not going to help in improving anything. But the Tea Party has become a big enough presence within the Republican Party <clears throat> in both the Senate and the House, that they are able to basically hold the federal government and the nation as a whole hostage. Um, if Democrats and the president uh, didn't agree to everything that Republicans wanted in the deal, in this deal regarding, you know, we got to make it, you know, they mm -hmm. need these certain things before they will vote on raising the debt ceiling like it's been done a hundred times in the past. Uh, it, if, like, if the Dems and the president uh, didn't, didn't agree to everything Republicans wanted in the deal, uh, they, oh, God, they, yeah. They made it public, they would. Yeah, they, uh, the, basically the Tea Party um, made it public. They would hold up votes on a deal and let the U.S. default. Uh, yeah, they wanted uh, uh, no, rev uh, no revenues or raising of taxes, especially on corporations and the rich. Uh, um, they you know, what they wanted was only cuts in government spending. Basically, one more step towards them stripping the federal government down to nothing because we don't, according to them, we don't need... We need so much less of the government that we have right now in our current state of how our nation is structured, it's kind of impossible. We're still in a recession. A lot right. of people don't want to admit that we are still in a recession. Um, but, yeah, only cuts in uh, government spending. Um, this is all crumpled up. I can't <laughs> even read the bottom. Uh, yeah, it's called Washington Horseshit. If there were, yeah, and if there were term limits, this would have never happened. Mm. If there were term limits on politicians, state, local, state, or federal, you wouldn't see these sorts of shenanigans. Because mm. a lot of them have been in Congress and Senate for years. Right. Decades. Because <clears throat> I think that's what uh, Biden was in Congress forever. For a long time. But... It's, it's, it's all about Washington political theater. And if these people, you know, like the president, only had a certain amount of years, they would go to Washington and they would do what they were sent to Washington to do. Hmm. But because they, you know, have the possibility of being there for their entire lives, you know, it's amazing to me, too, that there isn't more of a, you know, a, a turnaround because yeah. uh, it's, it's just crazy. It's just, it's, it's back and forth shit. It's, 
uh, we've been for the longest time a two-party system, and and now this Tea Party. Is- let's you know, we, all right, we got it. We got uh, a Republican president, a uh, Republican uh, majority in the House and the Senate. Uh, things aren't going so well. We're irritated about this. Let's try the Democrats. Uh, this isn't going too well. Uh, let's try. The, it's just back and forth nonsense. But this birth of this Tea Party. And, you know, their basic ultimate goal is to eliminate the federal government. It's. I don't understand how that could happen. How could you eliminate the government? That sounds like anarchy, really. But basically, that's yeah, it would kind of be controlled. The way they look at it, it would be controlled anarchy. That makes no sense. But basically, um. It's kind of like this. That house over there, that white house, if you own that house, you're responsible for the stretch of road in front of your property. You Hmm. take care of that. The next property owner takes care of the stretch of road in front of their house. That's, you know, a basic idea of how they, you know, the system would work. There would be no... Um, no social safety nets, uh, no fire departments, no police departments, um, no state-run hospitals, no nothing. It would all be – it would be – It would be, basically it would go back to the people that everybody talks, the American – quote, unquote, the American people okay. would be in control, every man for themselves. That's how the system would work, uh, yeah. basically doesn't sound like a very good system at all but i mean because of because of you know what america has become if that happened overnight mm. it would just fall apart especially you know um and and what they got out of the deal that's you know tea party was going to let us basically fall off the cliff unless they got exactly what they wanted and that is cuts in federal spending something you know Two point something trillion dollars over the next ten years. Can you even fathom that amount of money? It, but I mean, the U.S. government can spend a trillion dollars in a day. Hmm. You know, never mind just the things that the government is responsible for paying for. It's a whole laundry list of things: Social Security, yada, 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 the president's up too. But. You know, these extracurricular things like unnecessary wars. I mean, but, oh, don't mention that to the, you know, to the Republicans Mm. or to the Tea Party because what, you know, no, we can't end this war. But you know how much money that's 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 what just doesn't make any sense. That would be cutting federal spending. Right. It would. It's shit like that policing the world. But no, they don't really go for that. It's, you know, they want us to cut the social safety nets, cut money from that, you know. And money from places that really don't right. need cutting, like education. Education. It's a big one. That's the so, thing I'm th- passionate th- those about. Those are the so. things. Those are the, um, the, the, yeah, they're all about domestic federal spending, cut, cutting it down. You know, we, we don't need the education system gets too much money as it is. That's crazy. It is crazy. You know, but no, let's continue to fund these two outrageous wars and the shadow war going on in Libya. Oh, you know, no boots on the ground, but Mm, trust me, when they say NATO, the United States is NATO. I'm sorry, but, um, so it's just, it's backwards. It's, it's, that's why I've just never, you know, there are certain, there are certain, um, beliefs or, certain guidelines i guess that make a republican a republican i do see there are certain things i can't say i don't agree with a single thing you know that the republican party stands for there are certain things that i that you i'm not that i would get behind but i understand Mm -hmm. um you know the federal government in its current state is pretty out of control um the way they want to fucking completely Eliminate it is just nuts, but there are certain things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just uh, that was another point I was going to make. I'm totally losing it. And the president's on now. I guess he's making his uh, speech on the 
the whole deal that's going on. But you know, this you know this uh, this little group of uh, far right Republicans. It's amazing because just in you know two and a half years since Mr. Obama became president, they've just become this force mm. that is capable of doing what they were, what they have done. By midnight tonight, if this stuff wasn't done, mm. tomorrow we officially default. We are not completely out of money, but within a matter of hours, uh, I think, I, I forgot I heard the other day, by uh, Thursday, the federal government needs to dish out some billions amount of money for this and that and this and that bills paying some bills wow. it wouldn't be able to happen and then all it is is the debts raise that debt ceiling you know now in uh, it's raised the debt ceiling basically so that we can borrow money so that we can make some phone calls and get some chinese money <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, this is this is just crazy. It's just because it, it's funny because like I can think about it in my head and like I can I can say it all in my head and it all you know kind of makes sense. But now sitting here trying to like talk about it, you know, mm -hmm. I I would love to be able to do it like one of the pundits, but it's hard because when you step back and think about all of the shit, it's 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 horseshit, really. It's, it's so crazy. It like just the the concept of the debt ceiling. Uh, it, I'm like kind of stumbling all over myself because now that you know I'm trying to like explain it with a microphone in my face and I'm thinking about it I'm like it, it doesn't, doesn't really it doesn't make sense really it, yeah it doesn't really we don't make, get that as people like oh I owe this you know this money for this car or something and can you raise my debt ceiling so I can pay back that's the thing too you know especially like I heard yesterday standard S&P uh, Standard & Poor's is already downgrading our um, a credit, yeah, a credit status, blah, whatever, to a double A plus down from a triple A rating. What that means, basically, um, you know, without defaulting, because I guess if you know the Senate was able to cough up enough votes, then you know we're good to go. It's mm. passed. It goes to him. He signs it. Debt ceiling raised. We'll have to deal with it. You know in 2013 again fantastic um that's the one thing obama wanted he mm. basically you know the original deal was well you know we'll work on the numbers later we'll I'll, you know raise it you know we'll agree so that you can raise it i forget how much it actually is that we're raising it that will allow us to go on borrowing money until uh 2013 he basically didn't want to have to deal with it again in his first term hmm. whether it's his only term or not right he but that in the original plans it would basically be around christmas time mm -hmm. that we'd have to deal with it again they've been you know washington speak or political speak they call it kicking the can down the road mm -hmm. and that's what we've been doing for the past month when this should have been dealt with a couple months ago right um, but so that's the one thing that the, pre, you know, that the president got out of it because the Democrats didn't get shit out of this deal. They didn't get what they wanted it was basically raising taxes. That's what they wanted. Hmm. Mm -hmm. The Republicans got what they wanted. Federal cutting, cut, cutting down federal spending by however much the Democrats wanted to raise taxes, basically raise taxes on the the tip of the pyramid, the people that get away without any sacrifice right. in this country. And they the elites, love their money the a little bit too much to agree with that. So. And it's funny because this guy, I mean, like, I, I, I like Obama. Um, I think at this point in time, I liked candidate Obama. I like him as a figure. I like him as, a, as an individual, you know, mm -hmm. as a charismatic speaker. Uh... I'm not. I'm not that thrilled with his presidency so far. Yeah. Uh, I 
you know, hope, change, hope and change. That was his, uh, his slogan. Mm. He's just another, he's just another president, you know? I kind of feel like, um, as much as he wants to change things, maybe it's the other parts of the government that are keeping him from doing that. See, that's the big difference between our system and the parliamentary system in Britain. Our, um, basically over there, whichever, whichever party is in control, mm-hmm. they're in control of every um, branch of their government. Uh-huh. Here, it's different. We have a Democrat in the White House, but the Republicans control the House. The Republicans control the House, the Democrats control the Senate. So it's like an interweaving of, um, um, of the two parties mm-hmm. in control of different you know, branches of the government. The parliamentary system, whoever wins, that party wins, and they're in control of every branch of government I see yeah so it seems like that might be a little easier to deal with because I mean a president whether he's you know whatever party he's affiliated with can only get so much done when um, you know the two the two houses of senate are controlled by two different parties right you know mm-hmm. but um yeah so I don't know maybe obviously Britain and the the other socialist nations over in Europe, mm. they have their, their problems. But it's just, you know, and that's the thing, too, that the, uh, the far-right Tea Party, it's, it's all about our, our social programs. Right. You know, things as simple as, you know, local police departments. And we need that. The post office, the postal service, you know, things like that. Those are taking some hits too recently. Um, People being uh, laid off or actually I think even some post offices being closed only because uh, either it's getting too expensive and emails taking over. Yeah. It's, we're slow, you know, we're becoming a, it's it's a paperless system. You know, it's becoming more of a paperless system. Um, Which I'm not sure how I'd, feel only because um where i used to work at now they pretty much went paperless which you know it was nice because a lot of people were able to work from home you don't have to worry about papers traveling back and forth everything's online um i'm not sure if i would like i mean i still like getting actual mail in the mailbox it you know makes me feel like nice. a letter from yeah, somebody a letter and not necessarily shit like this <laughs> fucking, whatever whatever that is on uh, the, what is it discovery card yeah yeah it's like some random envelope um yeah. And, I, and that's actually something kind of a bigger thing for me where I feel like almost penmanship is dying out because everybody's, you know, either texting or emailing. Um, like, nobody writes anything anymore. Or yeah, just, I, like, wonder, I wonder if young kids can write. I think they stopped teaching cursive, too. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. I I heard that from somebody. And Yeah, oh, I, I never heard that, but I, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Who yeah, needs it? Because nobody's writing anymore and just... Learn how to type. I'd like to go sit in on on uh, a day in uh, in high school. Mm. I've been out of high school for ten years. Ten years, you know. The older you get, the faster ten years goes by. Mm. But yeah, it's ten years. A decade's a decade. I'd like to, and especially in you know in these modern times, how fast things are yeah. changing. I would really like to go and shadow somebody in high school and see how different it is. I think that'd be your documentary right there. Well, we talked earlier about uh, uh, that's what uh, we started recording in I, in the hopes that I wanted you to tell me about uh, oh my my past and show business. <laughs> right, the off off Broadway. Yeah, can you? Well, um, I cut you off halfway through because I wanted. Oh yeah, because you wanted, I wanted to get this recorded. Recorded it, yeah, because um, <clears throat> back in I want to say 2005, back when MySpace was still popular, because that's how all this started. Um, a friend of mine well, does it even exist anymore? It's still around. They're trying to revamp it, but it's yeah. it's not going to work. Um, friend of mine, uh, Sharif Butler, he's a great guy. I think he's a lost dialer too. Sharif. Sharif. Right. Um, 
he looked me up on MySpace. Um, he told me he was like, I'm having an audition for a play, a uh, spoken word play. I think he explained some of the details and just had me come up to Springfield um, just to, you know. Do for those out there who doesn't know what, spo- what you're uh, referring to by spoken word. Oh, spoken word. Yes, it's uh, pretty much a poetic play. Okay. Um, like all the lines, you know, had some had a really nice rhythm and rhymed to it. It was, I mean, it was really awesome. I never really seen or heard or much less done anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I went up there, um, and it was actually just me. It was just me that he wanted to cast, because I thought there was other people, other contenders, but it was just me. So, And I got the part. Um, did a lot of rehearsals a few months later, because his, his plan was to go to an off-Broadway um, stage, and the guy who plays, um, his name escapes me right now, the head soprano, he owns a, um, oh, uh, he owns a theater <clears throat> in Chelsea. James Gandolfini. There yeah, you go. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he owns a theater in Chelsea. Yeah. You said, okay. So, and that's where we, we did it. We uh, went there. We, I think we rehearsed one day and then we went back again. Or we did like our final dress rehearsal and then we went back. And did, I think there's maybe, it, it was a small little theater. So it held like maybe 50 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a short play that we did. And my character was a, well, in the, in the play itself, he imagined that um, religion was banned and outlawed in our time because it uh, just caused too many problems. To was it wars. set in, in our future or if tomorrow, I would happened? say maybe a few years from now. Um, and it probably is probably in the script, but it's been so long. I don't remember how it went. Um, cause yeah, it was like a test for me. I never memorized a script before. Mm. And, um, but, uh, the way it was set up, it was like a talk show and I was this renegade preacher mm. and, um, what was, was your name? My name? Oh, my God. That's, Can you remember? That's yeah. a shame. I can't even remember my name. No. Um, wow. Sorry, Sharif. <laughs> um, so, basically, I'm sitting here saying the benefits of, you know, having faith. And the other guy is like, well, you know, you, you can get killed for this, you know, for, you know, speaking out and um, trying to teach the Bible to people. And it's like, yeah, I know, but, you know, it's worth it. And by the end of the show or the, yeah, the end of the interview, he pulls out a gun in a bag. Cause I'm, you know, giving my, my passionate speech. Cause he's like, you know, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Mm-hmm. And while I'm saying my words, he pulls out a gun and pops me right there. So, wow. and I mean, it was a, it was really dramatic wow. cause the audience, they didn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah. And, um, there, I mean, there was hints all throughout the whole interview, but you know, you wouldn't pick up on it unless, you know, you're really intent and then you all got right. to see it again. It was recorded, but um, as far as I know, Sharif lost contact with the guy who recorded it because it wasn't just that. It was that another short piece. I think uh, two nurses, they were having a, like a similar discussion. And then Sharif, because he's a, a spoken word poet, and he, I mean a performance poet, and he's really good at it too. Um, and the rest of the show was just him doing his thing. Hmm. Um, all that was recorded. It was a great show. We had a- so your, your, part, your part was just like a, a chapter in the overall. Yeah. We were like the first chapter of the okay. whole thing. And, um, what was, was this really whole awesome. thing called? Uh, I don't know if it had an actual title other than like, I don't know, Sharif Butler Presents. Okay. Something like that. Um, How long was it, the performance, the whole thing? The whole thing, I, was, I really want to say like maybe an hour, hour and a half. Because um, we did another play after that. Um, he called me back to do another one. Uh-huh. Again, Sally, the title escapes my... my uh, my brain, but I play his son. And, uh, basically this guy, he has, um, two families. Uh, we didn't get to go to off Broadway with this one, but we did it a few times in Springfield and, and a couple other places. In Springfield, Mass? Yep. Right. Um, but I got to play his son and I was, uh, really disrespect- disrespectful to my mother, which was a really turn for me because I really respect my mother. Right. So, and it felt nice to kind of rebel a little bit, huh. still spoken word. So, yeah. and it was, it was fun. It was different. Um, I mean, there were a few little mess ups here and there. Like we, we both came out on stage when we weren't supposed to. So we just kind of froze there. And, but, um, it was a good experience. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. That's yeah. That's pretty awesome. Why I, that's why don't you tell people about that? I, cause sometimes I don't remember it until something happens that I'm like, Oh yeah, I did something like that. I, mm. I have done some performance. When I think of performance, I usually revert back to, um, all the improv stuff that I've done. Uh, Cause I had like maybe two separate classes of improv training 
And that's actually something I wanted to do like back in high school. It's like, yeah, after I graduate that, I'm going to graduate college and I'm going to go to Second City and then I'm going to go tour with them and maybe I might end up on Saturday Night Live, which yeah. at this point I'm, I'm really intimidated if I ever like get the chance to do that. Yeah. They're just held to such a high standard, and just you know, being part of a uh, of a theatrical performance in New York, never mind where it is. Right. To, if if that was me, I just I don't know. That would be like always at the top of your right. Maybe you know, definitely the top five. You know, things that always are bounce around in your head. You know that when you know you're getting to know somebody that you might bring up. I understand where you're coming from because. I can't, uh, it's very annoying people that like when you first meet them, they're just like, like shooting, you know, like all those unnecessary pearls at you, you know, like, you know, kind of like let, bragging about it. Yeah. Just. Let's get to know one another. Mm-hmm. You know, n- n- I don't want to sit here and like hear your fucking resume, you know, right? like we're people, you know, and mm-hmm. there are those people. Yeah. It's, it's bragging bottom line. It's. Yeah, so and that's I, what I have a problem with <laughs> bragging about myself, and that's that's why I have such a hard time with job interviews because I'm not comfortable with it. I mean, in a in in this nasty, fast paced world of you know, nice guys, mm. you know, don't always finish first. Right. You know all that shit. It's it's a rough it's a rough tough world out there. You know, mm-hmm. it being is. it would be it'd be awesome if that's the way the system was set up that uh, by being nice and having, you know, morals and. But they are out there. I read um, uh, I've finished reading Tina Fey's book and she's now before I just admired her and I loved her because, you know, she's beautiful and she's funny. But now she's up there. She's an idol of mine, like mm. up there with like Bill Cosby and Dave mm. Barry other people that I idolize because of their writing, their, their sense of humor, and just at the uh, success that they've brought to themselves. Mm. Uh, Sam Cooke's up there, too. But, um, Who? Sam Cooke. He's a singer. I'll have to play him for you someday. Uh, um, yeah. um, and another little tidbit. Um, I told a bunch of people this. Now it's out there for everyone to know that once a movie is made, then I'm allowed to cut my hair. It's kind of a deal that I made with myself. That um, I won't cut my hair until the, um, there's a movie made about Sam Cooke. Because, um, I don't know, he's, to me, he's like the father. Well, a lot of people say it too. He's the father of like R&B and soul music. Cause, um, and he broke down a lot of walls. Why don't I know that name though? I mean, I've got to, is that strange? Um, it isn't. Because there's a lot of people that don't. That's why sometimes I'm surprised when people bring him up. Like even people younger than me. I'm like, Sam, what do you know about Sam? You know about Sam it's too bad the internet isn't working. I'll, I'll play like a few of his favorite, or not favorite, most popular songs. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he's like a, a big idol. He's a big inspiration for me. Um, I sing a few of his songs at church because uh, he started in gospel and then he moved to do what they call secular music, mm. doing R&B and just brought that whole flavor to... Change is going to come. Yep, that's one I'm of the big ones. I'm walking behind you. Uh... The Whittleman album. Sam Cooke sings with the Bareback Riders. Let's see. And he's like one of the first uh, like black people to uh, like start his own business, like be an entrepreneur. He wrote and uh, wrote a lot of songs actually. So. Hmm. Oh, civil rights activist too. Kind of feeling retarded that I that it's I don't. You're like Sam Cooke. I'm like, who the fuck's Sam Cooke? Well, don't feel bad. I mean, I, when I first heard of Leonard Skinner, I thought that was a person, not an actual yeah, band. A lot of people do. Yeah. Eh. But there's a whole bunch of people out there that I probably still have never heard of and probably should have. Um, hmm. 
But yeah, he's like a big idol of mine. Oh, this must be one I'm not very familiar with. <laughs> I'm trying to familiarize myself. Okay, look up um, the one you're trying. Uh, I forgot the name of it. Oh. He's a handsome devil. <laughs> I really want to say it's What a Wonderful World it could be. Um, the name of that song is escaping me right now. Sounds white in this. Yeah, and he was one that kind of crossed over to a lot of uh, white audiences. Breaking Grounds. It's like one of the few that started uh, playing at the Copacabana. Huh. Name name something. Um, Changes in Twisting the Night Away is a big one. Oh, God. If I, yeah. It's one of my uh, favorites. Twisting the Night Away. R. Yeah. R. Kelly covers Sam Cruz. And I actually do have a, a a short film screenplay that I um based on one of his albums. He's got a live album, which is like probably my top number one favorite album ever. Like if I was stranded on an island, I would have uh. this album. So um and I wrote a script based on it. This is live at the Copa. It's a good version. Yeah. Twisting the night away. Is that what this is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Here we go, fellas. Let's go to work. This is a one, two, a one, two, three. Ha! Oh, this is my song here. Look, check. Let me tell you about a place, look, somewhere up New York way, <laughs> where the people are so gay. Twisting the night away. Nineteen sixty four. I'd love I'd love to get into a time machine and go back, you know, uh experience the uh fifties and the sixties for a little while. Me too. Actually, I really would. I know there's like a whole lot of uh the only negative part well I guess for me would be the whole racism that goes on. Right. It's it's funny because people, you know, most people are like, oh, back then, you know, life was so much more simple and innocent. Mm. People were so much more pure and good. <laughs> the only thing that was that was sweet and innocent about that time period was um, the television right. that was created, the music that was created. Mm-hmm. People were still just as shitty and rotten back then as they are today, maybe yeah. even worse so, you know. Mm. But people kind of just think it was all like, you know, the the uh, I'll use one of their words, hunky dory. <laughs> the the spawning of um of um um the middle class, you know, suburb world. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know houses in these you know big subdivisions, right. picket fence. You know, the husband goes off to work, the wife stays home and makes meatloaf, the kids ride bikes around. You know, yeah. that whole you know vision of of the sixties. You know. And that's why Mad Men is a really good show. It's about um, uh, the advertising, the Madison Avenue, the adverti- advertising, um, the world of advertising in the early 1960s. And that is very, very, um, it's done very accurately, um, everything, you know. That is another show that I, I want to get into. It's just the time. <laughs> the, the the brilliance behind that show is yeah, it kind of it kind of knocks down that you know image that mo- you know people of our generation have you know mm-hmm. looking back on you know uh, post World War II mm-hmm. America, you know that people were were good and decent. Right. And the show does a very good job as you know it's done very accurately, to, like everything down to. You know, 
the, the, the style of placemats on mm. the on the dinner table in the home at that. That's all I hear about is how accurate all these right, like the right. besides just the wardrobe, but right. just everything around the hairstyles are spot on and everything down details. to the science. It's all in the details. Yeah. But that show, the writing just it 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 just shows that people were still people back then. Yeah. The, um they did a good job of you know, their time capsule or setting in stone or printing on a page or in a song, the, you know, this, mm-hmm. this um, image that life was just so much more wonderful back then. And an idea I have <clears throat> on a similar basis of that, like if um, I ever do get the chance to start a TV show that would have like maybe like a budget or a look similar to that, I'd do the same thing, but from an African-American perspective. Cause yeah. that's because something. that's the, yeah. That's something that um, I haven't seen on TV yet. I mean, I've seen movies, but I would like to see that as a TV show. People, and... people don't really look back on that time period and you know remember the um, the big the big hoses down in Birmingham right. and the fucking dogs and the yeah just mm-hmm. the crazy crazy shit that was going on and the hatred and the it's just so much and I think even because I, I just. It was just like one night. It was like a couple of years ago. I just kind of had a brainstorm. I was like, I'll have it from the point of view of someone like maybe up north looking down south to see mm. what was going on, but yet still struggling up north. Um, I'll probably just, you know, kind of dig through and look through like some of my family members because I'm pretty sure like some of my elder ones, they've gone through that too. I mean, I know they have, but, and that's something one day I'd like to at least be a part of a team because I, when it comes to writing scripts, I found it's really time consuming. Um, and I mean, if I had the time, I would sit down and do it. Yeah. Um, cause like I said, I, I finished the one for Sam Cooke, which is just a short one, but a lot of it I cheated cause I used the entire lyrics of the whole album and I built stories around them. So I'll have to show it to you. Yeah. Do you, um, this is, uh, do you, do you have knowledge, um, of your family history or genealogy? I have like, some, at least half of my family. I've I've got a like. How far back do you know about? Uh, do you have knowledge of? I don't know how far back, but I could. Um, that's something that at least half of my family, like on my mother's side, they've been really thinking about trying to trace back yeah. to see how far back. Um, I think we. I'll actually have to probably bring it up to them because I'm the most like <laughs> technically advanced in my entire family. Yeah. So I'll probably say, you know, let's start going on ancestry and you know get that together because. Apparently it works, and that's what it's there for. So, yeah, but it you, would be good you, to at the, you have no, um, no knowledge of when you know either side, your mother's father's side first Actually, came here, yeah. and what the reasons were as to why they. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that. The only thing I do know uh, is like both sides. We originated from South Carolina, and it was my grandmother who decided to move up north. Um, and I think only once we we had talked about it, but I don't remember the exact reason. I don't know if it was because of like racism or maybe it's because she needed a job that's that was up here. Right. Um, yeah. I really think it was due to family issues or not issues, but um, like whoever my grandmother might have married might have lived up here. All this I can confirm later. I'll just right. you know talk to somebody about it. But um, it has something that has been interesting to me. I just never follow through to do the research. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll have to actually talk to them about it. it's like hey let's join ancestry to see what it's i mean it would be interesting i mean especially being an american like just the the complexities behind you know maybe you know maybe the, it isn't a complex uh family tree mm. but you'd think that it might be yeah you know overall um i think on my dad's side it's a little more complex than my mother's side so because they don't even, some of them don't even know like where they come from. Some of them actually marry their cousin by accident because they didn't know, and it does happen. I mean, going back, how many you know, how many African families came here on their own? Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's go prosper in America. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know. So that's that's why to me it would be interesting. Right. Um, and if I, I mean, know some of them were like maybe really successful and they kind of 
went off and did their own thing. Right. That's, you know, that'd be interesting to know, especially, you know, should, you should look into it. <clears throat> oh yeah. It's definitely an, an interest of mine. And like, that's, and I've had like a, I felt like a different type of racism going on through my life where I, I've never felt like I was like treated any differently, but I was raised to always try harder because of what they had to go through. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, I was raised in, well, you know, in Meriden. So it was like mostly the classes I was in, they were mostly predominantly white and there's yeah. a few black people, a few Puerto Ricans. So you know, I was well versed. So I'm used to being the token black guy. And, um, I have like other black friends and they're like, you don't sound black. And I'm like, then I like to flip it on. I was like, well, how do black people sound? And you know how many people that I've talked to about the show that have never, who was it? Somebody for some reason that never went to the Facebook page oh, and saw know. the pictures. They're like, Sterling's black. <laughs> yeah. I get that uh, a lot. Like, yes, he's, it's funny. I, that, that was, I had never thought of it before that. Like, uh, that kid doesn't sound black, Mm-mm. but you know, that's another thing that's, that kind of irritates me. And it, it did for me too. I, I mean, sound. it really, it really annoyed me in high school and then I just kind of got over it and I'm like, yeah. you know what, whatever I'm different and I'm just going to use that to my advantage. So it, it doesn't really bother me anymore. It used to bother me when I was younger, but now it's yeah. like, whatever it's racism's there. And I, it's not that I don't care. It's just, I don't actively care. Like it's, it's, it's been, it's been, you know, in, in some places in the world, it's been wrangled a little bit, but you know, especially with the, it's, it's my whole, you know, I I think that's how the tea party was spawned. It was, Mm. you know, um, it was like all of a sudden a huge portion of white America stepped back and slapped their foreheads and were like, how the fuck did a black man win the presidency of the United States? And all of a sudden, you know, the gears started turning. It's like, oh, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're threatened by that. Hmm. How, come, how come the Tea Party didn't rise up during the whole can- the candidacy? How come it came about after some people would some people would argue that no it 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 was in the you know in the you know uh, primordial ooze stage during uh george w bush's presidency mm. bullshit mm. it was it sprung up quite quickly after barack obama became president mm. and if that's not the case how come there are no African, there are no minorities whatsoever at tea party rallies? You see, right. you see them everywhere because they try to make the, you know, uh, try to make the argument that no, it's it's very open and and, and very, you know, bullshit. <laughs> it's it's a bunch of scared white people that kind of were they in a were they in a fucking fog. Throughout, I mean, the 2008 primary was a, it was a fucking circus, dude, mm. while it was going on. It was, you know, yeah, it, it, was. La- it was very drawn out. It was a big fucking deal. I mean, you also had Hillary Clinton who, you know, the, the, the first, first woman. yeah, it was very, very possible that we would have had our first woman president. <clears throat> so, I mean, it, it was, it was a, it was a big fucking deal. And it's like, I just, it's like all of a sudden. I just love hearing the arguments as to, you know, how the Tea Party originated, you know. Mm. And it's so much about, you know, so they, they're they constantly barking about, you know, and, and preaching uh, the words of the founding fathers. Mm. And, you know, Michelle Bachman, she, uh, uh, she made a comment and, you know, the... Uh, the blogosphere and the fucking, you know, right now, not, uh, not the right wing radio people, but definitely, uh, the left took it and we're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Because she made a comment about how the founding fathers 
made it their life other than you know building a new society mm-hmm. they made it their lives their lives mission to put an end to slavery mm-hmm. the founding fathers <laughs> um no yeah no maybe uh john adams was probably the only one that didn't own slaves mm. he might have actually but they were all they george washington i don't know about ben George Washington, he's, yeah, I guess you could consider him one of the founding fathers. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't part of the Continental Congress. He was elected as the first president, but he owned hundreds of slaves. Mm. Thomas Jefferson owned hundreds of slaves. How many white people in these, in this, in this time, in, in modern times, how many white people have the last name Jefferson? <laughs> is what I'm saying. Or Washington, for that matter. How many white people have the last name Washington? Very true. Good point. Yeah. They owned a lot of slaves. They had sex with a lot of them. Mm, yes, they did. You know, it's... Uh, but yeah, she made this this uh, this gaffe, I guess you'd say. And then she, you know, she, she tried fixing it by being like, oh, well, I was really referring to uh, John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams, not a founding father. He was like eight. When, you know, his father was, you know, down in Philadelphia, you know, you know, writing up the uh, fucking Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. Um, yeah, she's like, no, that's who I meant. But, you know, they, they are all, all the fucking Tea Party people. They all are constantly fucking, you know, reciting the, the words of the founding fathers and, you know. Trying to help their cause. Right. And trying to, you know, trying to paint a new portrait of them basically as being, you know, not slave owners is what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> but the facts are there, so you can they can say all they want. But there are people that do believe them, and they're not going to go look it up for themselves and... Because, again, that goes back to what we said earlier about us being lazy. Well, some of us, anyway. But Yeah. And that's one of those things that my mother taught me, just not to take anything. It just, as what somebody says, you know, you look it up for yourself. So Face value. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying what you told me is a lie. but you No, know. no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, it is, though. I mean, and I think this is the the first time, the first episode that we've it's just been you and me having mm-hmm. a actual serious conversation and i'm trying to do it as if i'm not sitting in front or oh, with a microphone, a microphone in my face and i feel like i am stumbling all over my fucking words and it's it's difficult you know like mm-hmm. you might understand a concept you know, really well, but it, I'm, you know, it's for hard to, you to people out, out there listening, when you sit down in front of this microphone, even I have intimidation, e- even, yeah, even if you've been, I mean, we're 11 episodes in, but this is the first time we've actually had this lengthy of a serious conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not as easy as you think. These people that, you know, the talking heads on fucking, you know, cable news outlets, it's amazing that all fucking day long and they do it so gracefully and so you know it just mm-hmm. pours out of their mouths like they're so good at talking about you know you want to hear a good shit. conversation you have to listen to um uh craig ferguson and cornell west talk because i love listening well at least cornell west because he's just he's another one of those like uh intellectual uh black figures of today that you know i admire Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, he's just just a really interesting person to listen to. Um, but yeah, you, you look that up because they have some really interesting debates. Yeah. Um, but see, th- this is like what I was saying before. You know, my whole since day one of creating The Lost Dial, I wanted us to focus on, you know, Practice, 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 because that's what this is. Mm-hmm. It's it's an incredible exercise, and you know we're being listened to by lots of different people. Thank God. Oh yes, but, thank you. <laughs> um, I want, I wanted us to to wait 
on any sort of outrageous production value or doing anything crazy with the show until we could sit down and it sounds like we've been doing it for 30 years. Hmm. But that... We're, we're not... We're, we're getting there. It's, it's, it's... Yeah, it's a work in progress. But it does take 15 years, 20 years to sound like some, you know, some of these... Some of these people. Plus, some, they, of these some of them do heads. it every day, and we right. do it once we a week. do it once a week. I would love to do it every day. Yeah, so I think I. it's 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 good practice for us. And but yeah, um, I was going to try and make a point about that. And uh, ugh, fuck. Just also like to say to our listeners, we really do appreciate and thank you for listening consistently and just. You know, continue to reach out to us, uh, write to us. We have gotten some comments and feedback, and we appreciate it. And, you know, just keep it coming. Yeah, I mean, because that's, that's what it's all about. It's uh, <clears throat> Especially me and you, I think we take this very seriously. Yeah. I think we're the only ones that take it very <laughs> seriously in, you know, we're trying to build a show. Just because we've done it 11 times does not mean that it is a that it's alive yet. I, I still consider it in the fucking womb. We're, we're like a, <clears throat> how many months have it been now? Like um, two? A couple, yeah, I don't know. So it's one of the trimesters we're in right now. But, uh, but yeah, and I, and I think that's almost kind of like, you know, um, admitting that you have a problem. If we can sit here and admit that this is, you know, we're not like putting, you know, dressing up in um, mommy and daddy's, you know, uh, work clothes. You know, mm. this is practice for us. Mm-hmm. We are We're um, getting ready for the big leagues. Right. So. And uh, I'd like to continue the Lost Dial. Oh, Steve Wilco show. Um, I'd like to do, you know, continue to do this for as long as we possibly can. So other people are wearing our T-shirts. Right. And. Because I think, you know, I think we have a good thing going. I think mm-hmm. that, um, like I said, it's I, uh, the way I look at it, it's still in the womb. And I'm not, you know, kidding myself and, like, coming in here pretending like we have a real show. It's a real show, yeah. but, I mean, it's, it's a working fucking progress. And We haven't made a whole TV season yet either. Cause we have, we've got two more episodes and then right. 13. 13, and then, yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, just the fact that... Um, so far, I mean, we have people that listen to us on a weekly basis. It's mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty fucking amazing, and uh, and we've been named like the top show for the the more you know, and it's good that we do two hours now because it's you know even though we're only we only have well, I guess we could do if we had the whole crew available to do it a couple times a week we could do a couple shows a week but as of now we do a two hour long uh weekly show and you know i think yeah point i'm trying to make is (laughs) i don't come in here pretending like we are you know fucking professionals right we're we're working on it we're working on it yeah so yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I agree, it is fun, and I don't know. It's it's a way for me to express myself because I can only do so much with my blog, and and this is another extension of it. So. Right. That's the, that's kind of the the point I'm trying to make too. Is like it not only is it an exercise in radio broadcasting, it's an exercise in learning more about ourselves mm. and one another. Right. When I'm out there talking to you, I'm a lot different than when I'm sitting in front of this microphone, which mm. changes everything. Right. And that's kind of the point I was trying to make before is that people don't realize, you know, this is not strenuous labor intensive, you know, mm. job. It's sitting on our asses and bullshitting, but there is an element to it that, people don't understand unless they've actually sat down with a microphone in their face. And then what I love is when it gets real and then we really, you know, it's just almost as if we were outside talking and that's, that's when, you know, the magic happens. Right. 
I'm gonna play the ending to the original thing I did earlier again. But uh, but yeah, it's been a what good do, hour. What do, what do, yeah, what is? How long have we been on? <laughs> What's our time? We're just at an hour now. We are. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking for the. Uh, oh, there it is. But uh, yeah. Thank you to everybody, <clears throat> the lost dialers out there. This really was a very serious hour. Yeah, I mean, we have to do it again for other topics and yeah. history lessons. Because, um, I mean, we touched a nerve with music, at least for me, because that's something I do a lot, uh, study with music. Um, and just the whole race thing, because there's all these people saying, oh, you don't act black, but like some of these people who, I mean, other black people say it to me too. And I was like, well, do you even know like your history? And I, what and is acting black? Exactly. It's yeah, mm. but yeah, this has been the lost dial. Thank you, everybody. I'm lost in the Dial is brought to you by AllNoiseRadio.com and powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. To hear more Lost Dial, find us on iTunes and TheLostStylePodbean.com and listen to us anytime, anywhere. To contact us, email TheLostStyle at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheLDCrew and follow us on Twitter at TheLostStyle.